Hello, my friend. Welcome back to the Wayfair Podcast. I'm Tom Vanderwell. Thanks so much for joining me. Again, on this Monday, beginning of a new work week, we are taking our chapter a day journey through the book of Joshua. We're in chapter 6, and it was verse 25 that resonated with me this morning. It says, but Joshua spared Rahab, the prostitute, with her family and all who belonged to her. Because she had hid the men Joshua had sent as spies to Jericho, and she lives among the Israelites to this day. Today's podcast is entitled, A Different Way. Over the last year, I found myself subscribing to several accounts on social media that regularly publish posts and memes about what it was like growing up in the 70s and 80s, and it's brought back a lot of memories. You know, like that uh, merry-go-round that we used to have in the park that was made out of steel and you would hang on to the bar. It had no safety features whatsoever and puke-causing, concussion-giving, bone-breaking, kid-rocket-launching hunk of metal and I survived it. Or how before social media, it was all the bikes in the lawn that told you where everyone was. Or what Googling looked like when I was a kid with the Dewey Decimal System. And as much as these memes bring back fond memories, they also remind me of just how much life has significantly changed in just one generation. Just as I could never fully fathom what my grandparents' lives were like growing up through two world wars and the Great Depression, my grandchildren will never fully fathom life without access to more information in their hand than was available to me on the entire planet. As technology, data, processing speed, and computer memory continue to advance at an ever-increasing pace, I've observed what appears to me to be an increasingly lack of empathy and or appreciation for the past. What I witness is that cancel culture isn't just about socially ostracizing people who don't toe an ideological line, but I also see people dismissing the past as being as outdated and worthless as, well, that second-generation iPod gathering dust in a drawer somewhere. Today's chapter introduces us to the brutal life that was daily human existence 3,500 years ago and in the early chapters of the great story. The Hebrew conquest of Canaan is layered with meaning that contains implications and themes that foreshadow the larger themes of grace and judgment and redemption that are present in the larger story, in the great story. Yet, it is easy to dismiss these stories for modern readers who are used to simply canceling anything that doesn't comfortably fit in my 21st century politically correct worldview. War and conquest were the dominant way of life back in those days. City-states and regions were continually embroiled in trying to survive those armies and nations and fledgling empires that were bent on growing their power. But what happened at Jericho is actually different in many regards. God makes it clear to his people, these Hebrew tribes, that it is he who is passing judgment on the people of Jericho. It is God who is out front making their victories miraculously possible. It is God who is gracious with Rahab and her family, who by faith believed that God was the one true God. And what a picture 
of salvation, that is. The Hebrew people were not allowed to take spoil from the battle. In fact, archaeological evidence at Jericho found entire jars full of grain that had just been left, which makes little sense in that world in which famine regularly wiped out entire people groups. There's something different taking place in this conquest. For 40 years, God has been doing something different with these Hebrew tribes than the world had ever seen. And if I can't fully fathom what life was like for my grandparents in the Great Depression, then I certainly can't fully fathom what life was like for those Hebrew tribes at Jericho. Now, personally, I don't take that as a license to ignore and judge either the Hebrews or God, but rather as an invitation to be gracious in my ignorance, while also trying to wrap my head and heart around the larger story being told, that I might continue to gain wisdom in my own journey and my own understanding of where this great story is leading. So in the quiet this morning, I can't shake the fact that it is God who is driving the action. It is God who is leading the charge. It is God who is just beginning to reveal himself to humanity by telling his people, I'm going to show you a different way of doing things. Which is the same thing that Jesus did 1,500 years later when he revealed that Messiah was not about earthly power and kingdoms, but about a suffering servant compelled by love to sacrificially lay down his life for others. Which reminds me that on this day, even with my phone in my hand, which has more computing power than the Apollo mission had sending men to the moon, and access to an infinite number of distractions of any kind I could possibly want, I believe that Jesus is still trying to get my attention, to hold my focus long enough to get through to me. Hey, Tom, I'm trying to show you a different way of doing things, a different way than you see all the people in all the kingdoms and all the power structures of this world doing amidst all the technology and knowledge they have. Just follow me on a different way. I hope you have a great day wherever the journey finds you today, my friend. We'll see you back here tomorrow.